beats, honey, sex like life. Life is a gamble, forever and money. I might crack a spell, but ain't a damn thing funny. My thing is all about making a break. Living up a luxury, push it back with something to come. Life is a gamble, forever and money. I might crack a spell, but ain't a damn thing funny. My thing is all about making a break. Living up a luxury, push it back with something Now who be that? Hundred dollar bills, crispy, Versace suit. Slightly out the blaze, a handkerchief beat. Uh -huh. Gator Mori flying through the party, mad pissy. What? Champagne cooler filled with Mo Dawn and Christie. Uh -huh. Eyes low from the Dutch and Hydro. When bubbly get low, what the fuck we buy Mo? I'm universal. Gals love herb style. Yeah. Every now and then mix my herb with the uh -huh. cow. I roll with real niggas who live like foul. My clan's off the hook, y'all soft and shook. Now look, we never talk, lives get took. Straight up crook, Croft can never live by the book. Alright, yeah, Willie, Willie style, Willie style all the time, uh, herbal crop the crime, dog. Yeah. get that money, life is a gamble, scramble for money, I might crack a smell, but ain't the damn thing funny, yeah. my thing is all about making the crib, living up in luxury, pushing that rich, living up, life is a gamble, scramble for Pass it over to the archivist for the final hour. We got another dope couple hours of music. 2023, Uni Radio, MC Pause, Peace. Newton said, nigga, 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 nigga. So I'm the post fence, clutching my own head licks and skin roll. Missing toe, kiss the dick, same lips, smooch a kiddo. My ratchet bitch, low coat, sniff and boots a little. Just L L L Double A Watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! Yeah, it's, it's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say Mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman, 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 Mike Spiegelman. 
Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Wow, what a long acronym. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. That is a long acronym, and it's been long for a long time of years. That is that is longest <laughs> name. Six years, seven years. You know, uh, I think we're approaching. That's why uh, we have two listeners, L-W. And what was it again? Oh, yeah, the other listener thinks they're listening to the LWAF podcast, long-winded as fuck, <laughs> which is two guys watching Netflix shows. So, but we're not that. We are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube, as our acronym describes. Right now, we're on mutinyradio.fm every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, following Found Round Sound with Scott O. Last week, I called him Steve O. Oops. It's Scott O. Yeah, Scato. We're also right now on YouTube, as we are every week. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, for the full experience. But you can DYI it today uh, by listening to our podcast and watching a full-length movie on YouTube at the same time. That's the premise. That's what the acronym stands for. Why do you need to know this acronym, Carl? We have a podcast, too. You can find it by searching L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. So you have three options right now. You're listening to us on Mutiny Radio Sunday. You're watching our YouTube channel or you're listening to our podcast. And all we ask in return, once you donate some money to Mutiny Radio, go ahead to Venmo and send a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. Uh, Carl, gosh, good to see you, man. Good what movie are we watching? Oh, I should mention... Carl is a co-host. Gotcha, Carl. Uh-huh. That, means, that means he wrote the theme song. He produces and edits the show. He interviews a celebrity comedian who will do our countdown to the movie today. Every and week. he researches the movie every week. But for today, it's the switcheroo. Carl asked me to research and watch several times a movie and presented today. Carl, what was that movie? That was Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. Green, that's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. The channel we like is Aminat Oldies. Aminat Oldies. Terrific. Well, I'm really excited about that. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. <clears throat> and you know what, Carl? Maybe if we're good, if we're good, and I don't have to pull this car over. I will sing you the folk song, Green Grows the Rushes. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, are you? I don't think you are. Well, I'm pretending. I don't think you want to know what this is about. Do you want to know what it's about? Well, there's rushes and they grow. And when they grow, they appear green. Oh, so, okay, fair enough. Do do you know the the REM cover Green Rush the Green Grow the Rushes? Okay, so I did watch this film, and when I searched for it, okay. Well, I mean, just so I wasn't out of context, I didn't do any. I only watched it once. I hardly paid attention, and I did see REM come up. Now I was an REM fan. I thought I knew everything they did. I did not know they did. They did a song called Green Grass and Rushes, and if I could understand what the fuck he's saying, I think it is the, the folk song, which I will sing at the end. Okay. You know how you know how the 12 days of Christmas is Christmas is Christmas, Christmas but it's Christmas. not Christmas because we're not singing about anything Christian? Yeah, it's the same song, but mm-hmm. every single night there's a fucking something about religion in it. So we're going to have to wait till the end of this movie. 
Man, we got a packed show for you tonight. Not only did we have an amazing introduction, we are going to watch Greengrass the Grushes. Go ahead, into your searches. Search for it. Okay. In the YouTube search engine, everyone put in Green Grow the Rushes, right. 1951. And the channel we like again was, what is an oldies? You're not going to find a lot of channels. I'm a nuts oldies. Right. It's the only movie version of Green Grass the Grushes. Yo. They did it again. Green Grass. Green Grows oh. the Rushes. Oh, oh God. Fuck. And I think right. that, that title has nothing to do with this film. I mean, they're in a marsh. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of Mr. Show. They could call it flippity do, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 crazy British farce. Uh green grass aggressive. So go ahead, hit that link, hit pause. Zero zero zero. What am I not pronouncing the name? Green pronouncing isn't the right word. You're using different words. <laughs> green grush the grushes grow. Right. Green grush the brushes. Nineteen fifty one. That's what you don't put in the YouTube search engine. <laughs> Listen, so we did the introduction. We told them where to go. They got the link. We're about to launch into a pre-recorded interview Carl did with a celebrity comedian who yeah. is going to launch us into the movie. So yeah. we have, yeah. And then we'll be watching the movie. And at the end, I will sing this fucking song. All right? So what Looking a pack. <laughs> you know, most of these bad movie podcasts, Carl, they're two hours long because they talk about the movie. Ours is two hours long because we talk over the entire movie. Right. Right. Much better. Okay. All right, so we're going to kick this off, Carl. I am obviously very animated and excited to see this movie. So let us meet Carl. With, he's going to talk to a celebrity comedian. We'll learn about the celebrity comedian, and then they will do the countdown. And when they say go, hit go, and we'll see you then. I'll see you then. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Vahe Ho. Welcome, Vahe. Thank you so much fantastic to be here. I'm Mike Spiegelman. I'm on this interview, too. I'm a good friend with Vahe, and I'm glad to have you on the Celebrity Comedian Countdown portion of our show. Usually Thanks. these interviews are conducted by Carl. We're going to pick your brain, Vahe. I know Vahe is a comedian in San Francisco, a very funny comedian, and also probably one of the best showrunners, has the best show, better than Cheaper Than Therapy, better uh -huh. than The Punchline. Better than anything you're going to see. In fact, it, it's baked in the title, The Best of SF Stand-Up Showcase. Uh, Vahe, what led you into doing this? How did this happen? The show? The one yeah. that we've been doing for eight years? Um, well, I always knew I kind of wanted to have my own show because it's kind of nice. It gives you a lot of artistic freedom to experiment in whatever way you want because nobody can tell you that like they don't want you doing that. Um, except the audience and the audience hasn't told me that like the audience you know we've developed kind of a, a little bit of a following of people who like know where the show is every friday and they come back and we feature the best comics in san francisco like mike in the title yeah it's right there in the title and uh it's fun so how did it come about yeah i just i just um well we did a show for variety and then i approached them afterwards and i was because it went so well it was awesome and uh, I was like, hey, do you want to work on, like, a regular show? And uh, they said, yeah. And so we did that. And it wasn't through, like, without, like, their great cooperation, it wouldn't be possible because, like, we certainly went through a lot of rough and rocky times. And I think, Mike, you were probably there for many of those. Yeah, uh, I should say, full disclosure, I worked the door for Vahe uh, 
for several years. The Variety Theater is one of the best theaters. It is one of the weird hidden gems in San Francisco. It's, it's a critics uh, theater screening room where for during the nineties I went once, uh, but they all you all the critics would see the movies there, and it's run by the Variety Theater, which is a charity group that does these charity runs and does the Vahe's live show. Now, what got you into comedy, though, Vahe? I mean, what was the reason? What was your voice? Um, so always as a as a child, like in school, I was like making people laugh and trying to like be silly. I was like always like the silly kid, you know. And uh, I think I was always like trying to. Because there was a lot of seriousness around me all the time, I felt like. I think I grew up in, a, like, a serious environment and stuff. And uh, I was trying to, like, break through that. And then in high school, I did some, like, on-stage stuff, and it went, like, really well. So then I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I moved down to San Diego, and I started making trips to, like, the Laugh Factory. Um, but there's a comedy store on Pearl Street that I would go to um, sometimes and, like, some other stuff. And at that time, I think I was like 17 when I went up at the, the laugh factory the first time. And I told this story on zoom. It was funny. Cause like I went up on stage, I was really nervous and uh, I went to the bathroom beforehand. And, uh, I, so I, then I go up on stage and, uh, everyone starts like laughing and I think I'm doing really well, but it turns out my zipper is down. I didn't. Zip my <laughs> Classic right of passion, right of uh, comedy. Yeah, and then the guy, you know, uh, what's the guy's name, like, Jamie or whatever? I, I went up and, like, talked to him after that. And I don't even know if he saw, because I think he would have mentioned something about the zipper being down. Like, you know how he gives advice to people? So he told me, like, do comedy. It was either a hundred more times or a thousand more times and then come back. So in other <laughs> words, don't come back for, like, a really long time. But I think it was cool that he, like, did that for comics, you know, because he was, like, the owner. I don't know if he still does that or what, but... I didn't go there a ton of times because it was like an hour away from where I was going to school. But when I did, I got that feedback from him and it was like a cool thing. So, so yeah, it's the importance. I mean, the, the shows are for the audiences, but it also really does help comics to have like a kind of a solid place to, to go from. It's pretty memorable. One of the things you guys did during the pandemic, I, so I was working with you and there was a big argument of whether or not you should run the show. I think it was March of 2020 at the time. And you guys went off and went virtual uh, doing interviews and then kicked off probably one of the most successful still running Zoom shows out there. How do you feel with having that title? <laughs> um, it's cool. I like it because I like doing the show and stuff. But I think Zoom comedy does have like a bad connotation to it because I think people associate it with the pandemic. And also it, it kind of removes like the person-to-person -person element of stand-up, which I think many comics, like, hold so dear. Um, but it is a form of human connection, and I think it will be around in the future. And I think, you know, based on the people that come... You were on the show last night. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and you had 100 audience members, and uh, uh, it was, they all have a kind of a community thing. It, it, was, it was pretty rock solid. You know, I feel like Zoom shows are like CNN. Like, once there's a national emergency, everyone's clicking on to it, you mm -hmm. know? We just need to wait for another uh, another pandemic, but I, I do think like the the cat's out of the bag, and and you guys run a real pro professional show too. Like, um, you had some notoriety because somebody fucked on uh, live. Can I bring that up? I don't I don't want to albatross you, but uh, aren't you the show where someone fucked on live? A couple fucked. Uh, yeah, but it was like a tasteful fuck. You know, it was like it was like one of those like softcore porn movies. It wasn't like a hardcore porn. Right. But, uh, I mean. 
You know, the way I, I think about that is like during the pandemic, we all did a lot of crazy stuff. You know? <laughs> and I think we should all get like a pass for those couple years. And I mean, geez, like there's enough holding people accountable for every little thing. It's like, can we get like a pass during the pandemic? You know what I mean? Yeah, they had yeah. sex. I personally don't think sex is like a dirty, bad thing personally. But yeah, a lot of people thought it was bad. And, uh, well, they came. They came to see the show. They came. They were focusing on stand up and yeah. any kind of extra stuff. They probably didn't appreciate it. Maybe I doubt it. But they they came for the comedy, so they they probably said this isn't the comedy. And let you know. Yeah, and I think our name can be misleading because it's a very like generic and kind of, spe- but also specific name, you know. But we, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella. You know, we add like a lot of personal uh, kind of touch to what we do. And I, I think some people yeah. are like, they think it's like this thing. And, and I think we've struggled with that because it is kind of a poor like marketing communication, I guess, in a way. But uh, but no, that was fun and that was memorable. And I don't regret that happening. Is there any like uh, suitable for work uh, crazy accidents happen on, on the Zoom show you want to bring up? Something that hasn't happened on a live show or? Hmm. or- well, like it's always funny when you like, tell a joke and then you hear someone like flush the toilet you know like <laughs> um it really gives like uh it's always such a humbling experience to do zoom comedy like honestly i think it keeps my ego in check i have like a problem sometimes with my ego and i think it like has kept me extremely humble so um but yeah crazy stuff i mean the nakedness people like we get the zoom bombers and it's funny because the Zoom bombers, they come on and they mess with the show. And I'm like, you know, we have like an open mic portion of the show. Like you can actually do a set. <laughs> you don't have to like do whatever you're doing. And then after I said that, I was like, we want you to be like part of the show. Like we love the energy they bring. Because like anybody who logs on to do anything, it's like they're bringing some kind of energy to what you're doing. And uh, so we kind of like worked a few of them into the fold. And they're like really young kids, you know. Yeah, and honestly, it's scary. Like, I hope that's not representative of all the young kids out there, because like, no, that's all the young kids. Sure, the country, then we're kind of like, yeah. So you got to pipe pipe for them into the right direction, Bahe. You got to be the ringleader in the future. Yeah, I think comedy is great for that. You know. Yeah, one thing. So your live shows and your virtual shows are kind of crash landing together. Can you talk about your upcoming live event? Uh, Granted, it's Halloween right now, but. Uh, you have you and uh, Christopher doing a show at the Moscone Center. Yeah, so we get an email from this uh, convention, uh, Fan Expo at Moscone SF, and they're like, do you guys want to stream, or no, they said record what you're doing on our like stage at the conference. And uh, I was like, hell yeah. I was like, but we do a live stream. And then he said at the Moscone Center, the Wi-Fi is really bad, so they, they don't won't do a live stream. But they'll do like a three camera shoot recording where they like edit it, like people edit it and stuff, and it'll be seen live, like from the people who are there. And I was like, obviously, I really wanted to do that. So, so um, it would be a live, so people can go to the convention, see this live, and then you guys will edit it as a as a Zoom show, and then post it on YouTube or on your socials. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like they're going to give us a lot of freedom in terms of what we do because this has evolved, and now it's like a competition, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You competed last night. I thought I got three percent to the vote. Three percent. Yeah, that, that's myself because as a comedian, I learned you always vote for yourself. You're you are the funniest person in the room at all times. Totally. Otherwise, no one's going to say that. So you always have to that's vote for so yourself. Right. 
yeah, there was yeah. some one new time comic last night. God bless this gregarious gentleman. Uh, as loquacious as he was yesterday, he's like, I didn't vote for myself. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not a comic. That was his first time performing, so he hasn't learned that lesson. Yet. I know. Well, it's it stuck, it's, it stuck out to me. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to uh, influence. I didn't want to encourage him. But, uh, you know, you got to be cold to the new comics. They got to have a thick skin. Yeah, totally. I think he'll learn that. And Because uh, if you don't vouch for yourself, like, everyone else is like, got you know a lot of comics are mostly focused on themselves you know they're not really in the business of helping like other comics so much and i get it because it's so hard just to help yourself you know what i mean well it's also a sole proprietorship and and you have to be driven which means you're going to fuck people over if you really want want what you get it's, that's why you're driven quote unquote that's oh that's interesting yeah i've never fucked anyone over that i know of um and that's probably why I'm not successful. So like, yeah, you gotta yeah. keep your eye on your prize. You gotta put your blinders on, and you gotta fuck everybody around uh, around <laughs> you to get to what you want. And then you get it. And then you then you uh, I don't know. Fuck off. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Vahe, uh, I, so let's let's get some uh, uh, links where people can find you as a comedian, uh, your dates, uh, and also your this show that's run away uh, live and virtual. Okay, yeah, so the virtual show is virtualcomedy.net. Um, virtualcomedy.com was taken, which is weird. Uh, Pandemic. Yeah, and then uh, bestofsfstandup.com is, like, for the live show. It's a classy room, and it's a classy show. It has great, great, uh, I mean, these are seats for critics to sit down and watch John Leguizamo in the past. So you know these are the softest, greatest-ass hugging seats you're ever going to experience for a live performance like you know yeah. it's a great room which kind of works against it i think at times but oh they get too comfy yeah because you don't want to be too comfy it's a common known fact right that you don't want to be too comfy during a comedy show i guess so yeah you got to keep the cold the temperature cold cool uh so we got all your links we are now at the part of the uh interview of the celebrity comedian countdown where you our celebrity comedian will do a countdown to our movie this week Bye. Take it away. Okay. So, uh, three, two, one, go. All right. Well, thank you so much, celebrity comedian. Oh, we are going to act in this film. Yeah. Green grow the rushes, as I've been saying. <laughs> we You've been have saying a, something. I've been saying something. This is the Marsh, Carl. This is great. No, this is the United Kingdom. It's Great Britain for sure. You know, I love I've seen... the accents in this film. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. Because we have a powerhouse of actors in this movie, and two of them are definitely known for their voices, and they crank it out. I'm talking about Roger Livery, who is the captain in this movie, and then of course we have young Richard Burton. Yeah, very young. <clears throat> well, you know, he's a I did a little research, Carl. I went to wiki and i went to imdb but for richard burdent i watched a movie called in from out the cold in from mm -hmm. in from the cold a portrait of richard burdent it was a 1965 documentary that's that talked, early well you know it was cleopatra was 63 so they were three ring circus at the time with that okay. marriage yeah so you know but, oh, by the way, any resemblance to any living person, an actual event, coincidence, would be a miracle. Oh, this must be a farce. This must be a bureaucracy. <laughs> and sure enough, here is a beautiful Southeast England 
Kent, and here comes bureaucrats. Oh, with their Ooh. bowler hats. Bowler hats and their glasses. Now these three guys each have their own personality for bureaucrats, and they're gonna like diss on each other throughout the film. It's a. I have to say this film is really good with characters. Uh huh. But I want to just call out this moment. So they they arrive to this marshy area, and they control this land. And the way it's shot, this guy Nigel Twist, the director. Look at this. They they hover over the land. They look like go bureaucratic gods that own this area. <laughs> Isn't that a re it's remarkable, right? To start this yeah. movie off like that, it's pretty cool. Look at them; they're gods, surveying all they survey. They're actually from the uh, agriculture, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and Fishery. Gotcha. And uh, they're down here in Angela Dupont. I forgot the name of it. I have it, but basically, all this marshland is not being used for farming. That is, uh, people are starving out there. People need their, yeah, you know? And they talk a lot about the history. So I guess, like, I don't know anything about America, right? So if you we watch a movie about the South and they believe that they run themselves and they have mm -hmm. a, a bootlegging Upon. operation, you know, they're gator and they're doing, I would be like, yeah, makes sense to me. So this movie is kind of similar. So this area has history. Like, uh, they talk about Henry III a lot in this. Yeah, Henry, III, Henry III decreed that they are, they govern themselves. They have yes. autonomy over themselves. So they have a charter. They have a uh, corporation charter, and they actually have Charter Day, which they're going to celebrate in this movie. But they have their own magistrates. Ma they have magistrate. Their own, mm -hmm. Yes. And so this bureaucracy group is ready to take over the land, but they're going to butt heads with them. And one thing they're going to mention, which is very romantic, is that this area was known for bootlegging. Smuggling! Yeah, like brandy in particular. And But that was the old days, Carl. They don't have it now. But they're right. curious, like, how come these farmers have great houses and they don't have any... Uh, they have a couple cows grazing. That's about it. All right, so here's one of them. Smuggling! Uh, this guy is always sick. I've been sick for two years. I have this cold. He's got a two, he's got a cold. How's your cold this morning? Same as ever. Same as ever. Now. Could it be allergies? Hmm. What do you think it is? Okay, so here's Gil, Colonel Gil. And he's being interviewed by Honor Blackman, who we don't have any Star Trek connections. But yeah, the closest we do, closest we have to a Star Trek connection is her, Honor Blackman, who has been in every single iconic British TV show. <laughs> I would say the Avengers. She's dressed okay. up in leather. Uh, she was in Coronation Street in the two thousands, which is a famous sitcom. But and how does she tie into Star Trek ever so loosely? Well, she was also in Doctor Who during the eighties. Okay, and she was in the Saint with Roger so Moore. She doesn't tie into Star Trek what? at all. Yeah, Star Trek is, a, is an iconic American show. American, a show. Not yeah, but what the fuck is Doctor Who? Fucking the Avengers and the Saint. I mean, you can't They're get more iconic. But the, uh, <laughs> They're iconic? Watch, you would rather watch Star Trek over the Avengers? The, well, the that's TV an interesting show. question. It depends on my mood, but I guess yes. So if you want to jerk off to women in leather, then the Avengers. Well, Avengers is not going to have a green girl. Now, that's some jer jerk-off fodder right there. Okay. Wow, these are great conversations we like to have. So, uh, and she's also obviously known, there she is, for uh, playing Pussy Galore and Goldfinger. 
That's whoa, really? Yeah, that's her. Terrific. And she died ninety four years old in twenty in the year twenty twenty. That's great. Ninety four. That's a ripe old age. Now he goes. What, are you laughing at this? And she goes, no, it's just the way my face was made. Looks like I'm laughing all the time. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah. Basically, the, the marshland, you know, he's talking about this charter, the corporation. Liberty. And... <clears throat> Liberty. Oh, they're right, the Liberty. Liberty Charter. And that's why they called it that, because they they're autonomous. Now, this was actually based on a novel. A uh, guy named is Howard Cl uh, Chloe Clues. The best thing I can say about him is that Howard Clues. So, like, uh, like Daniel Clues, Clues, I guess. Okay. If it was Howard Clues, he'd be like the rich guy, the aviator. Howard Hughes. A lot of OCD. A lot of OCD. Uh, no, it's like I guess Clues, like Daniel Clues. It's C L E W E. He also okay. wrote a book uh, called The uh, Long Memory. And one of the, oh, the long memory. When I got to the end of that book, I, I close. I I close. Do you, do you? What was the long memory about? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that. Uh, yeah, and it's his, that book was also about the the marshy south uh, east area of England. There is so like she's a, a reporter, and she was interviewing him. About these, what, these interlopers who are going to try to government whammy-jammy them, force them to have farms. Oh, ah, here, he here he is. Let's take a listen. I'm looking for Mr. Wicks. Do you know where he is? I don't know. I suspect he's down in the cellar, watering the beer. Mr. Wicks is a very honest man. I'm quite sure he isn't doing that. Oh, you, uh, you know him, then, do you? There he is. That's the voice. Richard Burton. Richard Jenkins, you know, he had a, yeah, he had a fucked up family. Well, he was, there was 13 kids in the Jenkins family. Okay. Uh, I uh, had 11 siblings, but I, it was 13 because two died in their infancy before I was born. Okay. So they count. Yeah. He sounds like Kevin, uh, he sounds like uh, Catherine Hepburn. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the second youngest, uh, their mom died after the final kid was born. And it was like a shitty area of Wales. He was from South Wales. I wonder and if all his big brothers were like, yeah, you little punk. And then he became huge famous. He became the biggest brother. At Thanksgiving, they, they're like, hmm. This 1965 documentary interviews his oldest brother who lost <laughs> his foot working in the pit. Like you either worked in the steel mine uh, my town was called, it meant it was a bridge because it covered two bridges. We lived under the bridge. <laughs> so his, his oldest brother uh, worked in the steel mill and he lost his foot working in the fucking coal pit. Mm -hmm. So, and they were making, he was the only one who could work in that family. And he was making like, I don't know, pennies on the dime, whatever. Right. It, was, it was some, so yeah, Burden did this for the money, man. Like he, so basically his story was that uh, he, when his mother died, he moved into his sister's house, who was married to some guy, right. and he got him into school. He got himself into Oxford because there was an acting teacher, Mr. Okay. Philip Burton, okay. who saw something in ah. this young 14-year-old. Philip and, Burton, okay. Yeah. So he went up to CIS, C -I -S, which is the name of one of the sisters. Like, she's, 
cis, mm-hmm. cis female. Okay. And uh, they said, I would like to adopt you, uh, Richard. And she's like, yeah, take him. We got plenty. I don't know. She, she, it was heartbreaking. They talked really? to her about it. So he adopted. He became the Philip Burden was 20 days younger. Like there was a limit, like to adopt a kid to say, right. I'm dad, your son, you have to be exactly 20 years apart. They were 20 days shy of that. So he had to become a legal guardian for Richard Burden. Not a father, a right. legal guardian. Okay. So, and he went off and he went to Oxford. And when the war started, this movie is 51. So in 41, he got recruited in this thing. The RAF had, is it RAF? R-E-F? Royal uh, Air Force. R-A-F, Royal Air Force. Royal as fuck. Anyway, so they... <laughs> <laughs> They had this program where he would act and then go to school for acting half the day and then half the time. And then the other half, he's in the REF. Okay. So he started acting on stage. He became, oh, the Globe, they offered me 10 pound a week and I took it. And then my friend said, Richard, you should go back and ask for more. And then he did. And then the producer said, fine. He goes, you talk to that old Welsh bulldog didn't you the other guy so yeah he was like he was doing shakespeare and he started acting in his british films and this is one of the british films he acted in now mike we got an audience you got to tell them what they're up to right now and how they got there is, it, is that how it happens well right now she's investigating this dubious uh well, no, no, it's duck hunting he made it she made an agreement right the father she, she's the father like owns the newspaper or something and no no not even well the father's not alive is he he's in the boat right now the, it's uh, her fa- it's her father she's really more spying on richard burden though i think like she went out there well i thought it was a coincidence she goes out duck hunting because she mentioned it with her she agreed with her father and then she you know this boat she she it, it just shows up I, she doesn't know that Richard Burton's out there. Well, you know, her father does. Her father was a bootlegger, it's revealed. Her uh-huh. father was in on everything. And they're like, should we let her in on it? I told her. And they're like, she's just a mice girl. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. You know. Now, what are they drinking? Like, they drink coffee in this movie, but it's I think she's coffee. pouring tea. Yeah, it's coffee. They're not no, really. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know what the contents are. It very well could be tea. But every drink they have in this movie is coffee. They even it even ends with them opening a cafe. What what, what you're forgetting about all the booze, dude? But I'm not talking about. I'm talking about when they drink. They don't drink tea. They drink coffee. Okay. Okay. Now here we go. Here's old suspect. See, Going down the river. he just he just happened upon her. He did. She wasn't out there to spy. She will she now becomes a spyer. She'll start spying. Well, she was. She didn't trust. Like, oh, I see. There she goes. <laughs> this is me. And then he duck on. Hey, Carl, what you doing? Quack quack. Hey, quack quack. Good Carl, what you doing? Quack quack. Did you <laughs> hear my duck impression? What's with the rifle, Carl? Yeah. Hey, where's your duck thing? You know the fake ducks. Oh, I don't need that. Quack <laughs> quack. I'm not the spending idea. my money on that. Well, you gotta you gotta use a uh, something that sounds like a seductress duck to call their attention. So here we go, quack, quack. So oh, Richard quack. is letting the cock with the cold go by. Uh huh. Because he's sneaking around. 
Now look at him, man. He looks great. He doesn't look great in that documentary in 65. Uh-huh. He's like chain smoking. Now, Carl, you said you picked this movie because of Richard Burden. Mm-hmm. What is your association with Mr. Burden? Uh, well, uh, we're not lovers. Uh, I don't know where you heard that from. No, the truth is, I was just browsing around YouTube. I think you were having some trouble with come. I don't know, but I came upon it. It was Richard Burton, a huge star. It's uh-huh. 1951, so you can trust that there's not going to be ads. It's in black and white, so it's going to take us to an earlier time, and it was full of accents. No, so but I'm ac- talking about like. You you said you singled out Richard Burton. Like, what is your perception of Richard Burton? Like, no, no, I didn't. I I just he's a major star. And well, what is your fucking perspective of Richard Burton then? Like, oh oh, I think Richard Burton's a bum. I think he's okay. a loser. I okay, that's all I want to hear. Yeah, no, well, he they he and 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 enabler girl were just total alcoholics, and it ruined them. Of course, and look, of course they they don't stay married and stuff. Okay, now take him on the screen, and I think he's magnificent. Yeah. I think that that movie, um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? What a trip! I, I think that Richard Burton, as an actor, and not in this film, is very powerful. He holds his own in this film. It's not his film to take, though. It's, no, it's, it's not. Captain. He's not the main character or anything like that, even though he's a big deal. And the, the script doesn't lend him to any heroics or you know impassioned speech uh, he's just not the guy of this film but he's still good in it yeah now well, tell everyone what's going on Mike. i was about to carl but you you were spo- you spoke up i'm oh, so I, sorry i, I always i thought it's all right we could switch route back you saw the movie if you want to do I it I, I, yeah all right no i saw it one time okay all i know is she is now discovering the cache of smuggled alcohol. Right. That's okay. what I know. You, okay, you're gonna have to let me let me lead this, okay, girl? Yes, please. Okay, and if if I pause or my timing is off, trust me, just let me give me that that extra beat, okay? You got it. You don't have to step on it. Also, maybe you could shave once in a while. Okay. <laughs> yes, boss. Okay, boss. I will do it. All right. No, I'm I'm ugly. I always hate bosses like that. Did I ever tell you the time I had... Uh, we'll get back to this movie. He's basically telling her that they're smuggling booze. And they they get it. They get it in the net. And they bring it over. And it's been going on for ages. And they have like a backlog and all this shit. So I had I had a, a show at a deli. And the boss like, here, come here. Come into my office. Now, I don't work there. so But I'm right, going into right. the boss's office. Right. And he closes the door. And he's like, you know, Mike, you've been using the same jokes every time <laughs> okay here here we go here's the star of the show now you would say oh my god fucking penguin's henchman escaped batman but he actually had he's a captain and this is appropriate where his ship is named the frolic yeah and he's wearing a sailor's hat and he's got a sailor's uh sweater that has the name of the boat so this is very on the on the up and up What's and not he on the up? Talks in plural. The royal we, yeah. Oh, funny. I was just about to get to that, but yeah, uh, he, we have just landed. So he always refers to himself in the royal, royal we, and that was our wife uh, when he talks about me. He also calls every woman the Lily White. Yeah, that's it's right. Just, it's a little off-putting because you know Lily White is, is a coded word in America. 
it's like you know exclusion of black people or it's used to say this is a willy willy like neighborhood but it was a code so it's weird hearing him say it but let's listen to his crazy voice yep you just yep, did it well that'll be all now i know this guy uh, he's famous for two reasons carl he was terrific. I actually haven't seen him. There's two directors, British directors, Emmerich, uh, shit, Michael Powell, and fucking, what was the other dude's name? Uh, Emmerich Pressburger. That's right, Pressburger. And I saw The Red Shoes, fantastic movie about a dancer who gets these magic shoes that make her dance and dance and dance. And then they lost their career when they did a film called Peeping Tom, okay. which is about a, a guy who kills women while filming them. He, like his tripod has a knife and that movie destroyed their career they had a very distinguished career they had a string of three great movies starring the captain in this uh -huh. film and by the way i'm going to play the audio when he's anytime he gets to a piano we got to hear the whole thing but um, the song he plays yeah well he gives these speeches uh, he did the life and death of colonel blimp i know where i'm going and a matter of life and death those are the three big michael powell emory pressburger movies he did so he's famous for that he, uh, you know, he lived a while. He he was too young for the Royal Air Force. Uh -huh. So he actually worked, you know, doing some mission stuff. But he, he was in tons of shit. And I think in the 70s, he kind of petered off uh, his last acting role. Okay, here we go. Gotcha. There's a boat and the piano. There's a piano and a boat. Mm -hmm. Weird. It's, a, it's an upright, so it makes more sense. This reminds me of uh, the Hateful Eight when they give that big speech and the guy's playing the piano behind it. Oh, right. Oh, they, he's on TV. Yeah, he is. With ourselves. Now, there was a television in the old man she was interviewing's office which i was surprised about because this is 1951. They, well they had tv in the 40s oh i you didn't know. know that i thought it was a fifth maybe it came became big in the 50s it became it became more affordable you know i mean uh -huh. it was early adopters in the 40s gotcha. but it, it existed uh So what's interesting about this movie, Carl, if you remember, is that he does these elaborate speeches on his pia upright piano in his boat, and yeah. it's glorious. And at one point, he confronts his wife in her her landlocked house, his ex his ex wife, and there's a piano there, and he just I think he's talking to the husband. There's an just, organ. Yeah, he just kind of sits himself in front of it and starts playing while telling the story. It's great. Ah. Here now, but go. remember this tell the audience yes. what he was saying while he was playing just last time what we just heard he was given a story about the fish that got away it's the story of the sailor and the love for the sea and the love for a woman and what calls what call they hear and what call they follow basically polly was a lily white and we loved her he she was our wife yeah, but you know the scene beckons, and off he goes on the frolic, and he leaves her, and she married a guy who we will fucking see. Yeah, fucking crazy movie. Uh, yeah, uh, this crazy farmer that they is going to chase these guys off of the pitchfork. He was and a right military now, man at the time. Now this is a great scene, Carl, because these bureaucrats show up, and they're all bootleggers, 
And the guy goes, would you like some brandy? I mean, uh, beer. Would you like beer? Uh, no brandy. Ixnay on the Andy brandy. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right. So those two, uh, pro the two bureaucrats were talking about how they don't like this guy. He's a bit chill, right? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's going to browbeat this Coast Guard into revealing the truth of, uh, of uh, bootlegging. He's like, it must be really hate your job, right? It must really fucking sucks looking at the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. He doesn't like so English, though. Yeah. Well, he's trying to be aggro, right? Like he's like Captain America in this. Let's take a listen. Not at all. Is there anything wrong? Wrong? You seem rather angry. You seem rather you angry. So it's the classic, like he's trying to get information about it. Basically, they're going to, they do this wild goose chase, right? The bureaucrats, and they have nothing of it until the second act. And they show up and they go, what's all this then? Yes. And this has to do with us. And that's when the trouble fucking knocks off. But everything is crazy in this movie. Like, I, look, I have to say, like, everybody in this film is a genuine character. Like, it's not yeah, just... Yeah, what people. a marvelous door. <laughs> yeah. It's what you're talking about. It's like the character of... Don't dawdle! Yeah. Well, the... Uh, now, here's another thing, too. Like, this director, Nigel Twist, by the way, the, uh, the last scene in this movie, what a twist ending, Carl. Mm-hmm. The director uh, the twist ending i don't think so you yeah didn't. it was it was directed by nigel twist <laughs> what a twist ending okay <laughs> classic classic twist ending saw it coming now they're saying that this used to be one thing about this area is it was water right it was ocean uh -huh. yeah and basically these guys are very dismissive because the marsh people these marsh people uh, basically, they made their income by building a wall to block the ocean and then claim the land. Right. The the ocean receded, and all this wet, marshy land was left behind, and yeah. so they walled it off so the sea couldn't come back in. Right, and then they kept the land. And they're saying, hey, I see a bunch of cows on here, but you know, you need to grow some fucking potatoes. Oh, that's what he says to the other guy. You can grow potatoes. Yeah. 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 Too starchy. Well, why is it a agricultural problem? Starchy. <laughs> now, all right. This is why I like this movie. You present the pitchfork and some bureaucrats. That guy. And they ran be... into where the bulls are, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, they run through it in those suits. But yeah, you got to have the farmer chase them with a bull. If you fucking bring a bull, you know, bull pork, bull, bull pork, fork, bull fork. Pitchfork. Pitchfork. Yeah, look at them run. Uh, that, they used to keep their potatoes in this bunker, and it was like a really, it was starchy bunker. <laughs> uh, I like that. Look at them. Yeah, fuck yeah. And then we get the big reveal. There's his wife. Polly! No, it's not a reveal. We're just meeting some farmer and his wife. But, but we hear their names. They're like, oh, shit. These are, this is the couple that the captain was talking about. By the way, I have to say, let's talk about Polly, his love of his life. She steals this movie. Her name is Vita Hope. 
And I will show you. Oh, actually, she hasn't been introduced yet. That was the neighbor. But when she shows up, she scratches her ass, Carl. And we got to call out that, okay? Okay. Like, you know, when you wake up, you stress. How do you wake up when you're on the, on the camera's plane? <laughs> you get up, you scratch her ass. She does it. And it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> when she sees the boat, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's married to the director, Nigel Twist. Oh. She died in a horrible car accident in 63 while they were still married. That's too uh, bad. They were in a turnabout, and she crashed into a lorry. Okay, that's a that's a, a truck in... Uh... Yeah, and a roundabout is a roundabout in England, too. Or what do they call it? Car- what are the round circle roundabout? Now, anyway, so they were saying, like, I told this reporter, and she's like, oh, she's uh, Tom's son, uh, daughter. She's all right. A real marsh girl, don't you know? There we go. That's my favorite line. A real marsh girl. I don't think we'll have any trouble with her. <laughs> well, they have, uh, they still got another load. And they're like, well, we can keep it and let these bureaucrats go. And they're like, fuck it. Let's just take it. So they're going to go and take the, the booze. Now they're accelerating their, their, their bootlegging run. But the problem is that the weather's not great. No, the weather is not great. Now, the thing is, she's like, he's like, this reporter snooping around and now we got these bureaucrats. We better quit. We better just stop being a smuggler. We can do it later. You keep calling it bootlegging. They don't call it that. But then he goes, yeah, but we got the last shipment. It's it's out there on the ocean right now. And he's like, well, that won't do. Of course. We, okay, the this will be the last one. Yeah. Now, I have to say, like, their voyage is fantastic, right? Like, fantastic what voyage? It, I, it would that? be. Oh, I never. God damn it. I need a fucking word of day calendar. <laughs> right? That would really make a. a Excellent adventure. God damn it. I need to hear it. Here's Richard. So he's like, what are you going to do now? And he's, he's like, you should settle down and get married. And she's like, oh, fooey. <laughs> now, you know, she, they never get together in this film. And no, it's the whole film. They're going to get together. I feel like more like she's one of the guys. Like she is a Marsh girl. Mm-hmm. She's in on it. And that she... Uh, helps them you know against the, the, the all the cops that show up and all the bureaucrats she's in on it like even at the end she does her part which is right when she's glug glug glugging yeah she's doing her part yeah i really think i don't know if this is the time to talk about it but i really think that this movie has a bad ending it, it's really okay well let's uh let's after the scene let's talk about the ending because this all is right. a great scene all right it basically, uh, they have a three-hour tour, and uh, the tour is for... The SS Minnow. Yeah, which may be lost. So here he is, again, like, during these scenes, my big toe started to thump, like my sailor uh, eye started to turn red, because I know a bad storm's a brewing. And that's what they're saying, you know, we don't like the cut of this storm, it's a brewing. And one thing I have to say I love about these sailor dudes is that they have all this booze in there, and they know that they may not w- win out against this storm, right? This perfect storm might kick their ass. So what do they do? They pull out a fucking, they pull out a corkscrew, and they're like, "Fuck it, dude! This stuff might be damaged. We might be damaged. We need to finish it off." Yeah, that's and right. And that plays into the movie. Like that's basically what this movie is about. Is like, uh, instead what of getting was the rid name of it, of that brandy. It was some 
Napoleon, right? Napoleon Brandy, right, right, right. It's real Napoleon. Uh, we need a corkscrew. Yeah, right away, uh, Captain. And they get shit fucked. Like, they yeah. get so fucking drunk in this movie during the perfect storm. It reminds me when I saw the perfect storm. I actually was drinking at the time. Uh-huh. And I passed out and I woke up and it was like a storm. Perfect. Yeah, storm. Glug, Hello. Glug, glug. You are listening to the BBC uh, Yeah, which ocean. says, don't go sailing today, dumbass. Yeah, now these guys, they all survive, which is remarkable during this stuff. They fucking get shit-faced loaded. So this is fancy brandy. Glug, glug, glug. Take one down. You know, I put up... Did I ever tell you the time I got angry? Because I I put up 99 bottles of beer on my wall. 99 bottles of beer? Yeah, and then uh, these guys were singing a song, and I got really pissed off at it. I'm like, you better not. (laughs) I just put them up there. (laughs) Don't... Don't don't deplete my stock. Coming up next, Jeeves and Worcester get into a trouble. You're listening to BBC Marshlands. Do do do. So now they're on the shore, worried about. Now I think it's probably a film. Film, but um, I don't know. That just lightninged. Oh, you know what you think? This is probably a screen drop. Yeah, I, I, no, but see how it's lightninging and it's still shining on them. Maybe it is. Yeah. Real. Well, this is definitely a backdrop. Unless they went to the ocean. Now, these guys are getting drunker and drunker. Tee-hee, tee-hee. But I really like the attitude of this movie. It's like, instead of wasting it, get drunk now. Yeah. Like, if it's going to spoil, eat it. And that's what they do. They get fucking drunk. And then when the, at the end of the movie, when the situation is that they have to get rid of all this booze, the right. town pitches in. Yeah, see, that's... Okay, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. the whole movie... Okay, the third act... See, is it really time to talk about this yet? I mean, our well, audience isn't with us at the third act. I'll tell well, you as we go along. Okay, but I mean, basically, things are going to escalate. These bureaucrats are going to get wind of this uh, smuggled booze. Yes. Also, they claim... And the boat's going to be... Well, we won't even get to that point, but the boat's in peril. And the new position of the boat means that to cover their ass, they say, oh, we have this liberty. Look at him still drinking. I love it. Yeah. Oh, he's like, he's fucking pulling off. Oh, we should listen to his voice. This guy, like, the moment this guy, Richard, started talking and acting in this movie, I was like, who's Richard Purden? <laughs> yeah, right. He just, he completely takes over this movie. Yeah, look at them. They're fucking about to die. They're just drunk and crazed. So the point was the ship is probably going to wreck or something. So we should get rid of the booze. And then they decide not to get rid of it. Well, we always deliver, right? Doesn't they say yeah, that? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a lot of money if they don't deliver. It's a lot of money, but they also know that this might be their last flight. So they're drinking it. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting, like the first time I see, I've seen this movie three times. And the first time I saw this, I thought Burden was on the boat. And it oh. wasn't until I saw them on the marshlands huh. and Bert is like, oh, there's a weather guy. That's what I mean. Like, this movie doesn't lend itself to Richard Burton being great. No, he has a role and he does it really well. Like, you really do think he's a. a now, what uh, is he hearing right now? Oh, right. Help! 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 
I'm stuck in a shed. I don't get it. But okay. this one, this one scene, I don't really get. But I guess he's still snooping around or something. He kind of says like "you dumb girl" to her, but he helps her out. Yes, he's a, he's pretty nice to her. Yeah, I don't know why they don't hook up. I know that's one of the things in which I don't like about this movie is that the ending is that it telegraphs to us we're going to have a romance. These two like. Uh, I wouldn't say they don't like each other or at odds, but they are a little bit. She's, he's like, you're a snooper. I don't like that. Right. But meanwhile, they respect each other as... Well, she does. She never writes a report. No, That's why I don't think her dad writes a newspaper because the dad would be like, ixnay on my past life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, I think it's like she knows the full story about this smuggling ring, but she's not going to tell it because she's from the area. She's a right. nice girl. right. Lily White Marsh girl. No trouble Lily from White. her. Yeah, Lily White. You tell the Lily White. Oh, we don't like that. Here, the minnow could be lost. Look how drunk he is. <laughs> and you know what's strange? He has such a big fat face in this movie. And <laughs> I looked him up. You know, I'll tell you what, what else he's famous for, which is his fucking family tree. But I looked him up, and I see him in the Blimp movie. I see him in his other roles, and he has, like, a young, distinct face. He's got uh-huh. a beard. Like, he definitely changed his – his appearance changed in this one. Okay, so the other thing he's known about – All right, wait. Here we're – aren't we going to have the ass scratch scene? Oh, uh, I'm not up to that yet. So he's passed out. I might be a couple seconds behind you. There she is. Vita Hope. Yeah. Look at this. Classic Carl. Wakes up, yawns. A little bit of stifle. Ah, get your feet bearing. Here it comes. The best part of the movie. Scratch your butt. Yeah, scratch your hair. Figure it out. Get up. Get some air. Scratch, 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 scratch. Look at that. Boat in your front line. Yeah. Classic. Du- oh, she does the double take. She says, There's a boat in the front yard. There's a boat in the front yard. <laughs> Look at that. She doesn't register, goes back to bed. Yes. Yeah, nothing. There's a ship in the duck pond. What? There's a ship in the duck pond. They survived. Now, our hero, our uh, the guy who talks in plural, he does a yeah. pretty good I'm waking up job, too. Oh, and they're hungover, too, so they have to do the hungover part. They got maroon. Their ship went flying. He goes, right rear rudder, rear rudder. Right, well, because we hear the ship, right? You hear that noise? That's the ships are running. Still going. All right, I'll push it back. And then the those poor ducks. ducks are quacking up. All those ducks are dead. I ate them afterwards. Yeah, he's got. <laughs> now, this guy's completely unrealistic. Get your boat out of my duck pond. How's he supposed to do that? He's just throwing dominance, I guess. Uh, but no, there's no way. And then this becomes the. Then this movie kicks into gear with its uh, parody. He shoots at it. Bang, bang. Where's yeah. the fucking bullet hole? Stupid. <laughs> it's so fucking hugover. Oh, we got I hear say it. that. What's the idea of putting a boat hey. in my duck pond? 
It's not deep enough. Police force. I have you up for tetanus. I'll put the police on you. There's going to be trouble over this. We've seen your face before somewhere. I'll show wow, you. we've I'll seen show your face life. before. Never in all my but he's still too drunk to notice. <laughs> Here we go, fucking dumbass ship captain, ship guy. 